Welcome back to High Hopes, our Phillies minor league rundown report. Jeff, are you in the mood to talk some baseball? Always. You're always in the mm-hmm. mood to talk baseball. Um, you saw some. What do you ma- want to talk about first? Well, I mean, let's talk Phillies for a second because right. you got some younger players. Walding's back up with the big team after J.P. Crawford's injury. Did you see what he did? Uh, not well. He struck out. Yeah. He's, he has struck <laughs> out struggling. every single time he's been up in the major leagues. See, I wasn't going to take that, it in that, that direction. <laughs> I, I, I truly I feel horrible for the guy. <laughs> this is his dream. And he gets in the majors and he hits the golden sombrero, which is four strikeouts in a game. And then he's pinch hit a couple times and strikeouts again. It, uh, hopefully he turns it around, but I, I don't. I don't see him as a long-term solution. The big team is at thirty-nine and thirty-three heading into Washington this week. Seven of their next ten games are against the Nationals. The other three are against the Yankees. Yeah, Nationals don't worry me as much. Unless is Scherzer pitching in that? I don't think so. I think they well they'll probably hit him the next time around. I don't think they get him in this three-game set, but they have a four-game set. Okay, so after the Yankees, if they, if they don't have Scherzer, they got a shot. With the Yan- the Yankees worry me more because the Yankees are just insanely good this year. They are very good. Um, who is not on the Phillies roster anymore? Hector Neris uh, with the AAA Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs after uh, some great struggles. Your yeah. thoughts? It was time. I mean, he ha- he's had plenty of time to be the closer, uh, and it just seemed to be getting progressively worse. I don't know if it's in his head. Hopefully he'll straighten it out there because he's, he's just a talented pitcher. But for some reason, he comes in the game lately in the first batter. I mean, I think he had two games in a row where he gave up a home run to the first batter. It's it, This is not what you want from your reliever. You don't want walks and you don't want home runs once you come in the game. Obviously, Sir Anthony Dominguez gets all the headlines. But another young pitcher in the bullpen, Edby Ramos, yeah. uh, he is pretty much unhittable. He's 2-0 and with a .64 ERA in 32 games, struck out. Uh, 32 and 28 innings. I mean, you can't get much better than that right now, and yet it still seems like every time I turn on the game, the Phillies are taking a lead or or something into the late innings only for the bullpen to because, I mean, we give it back. Went, we went through this last year. We talk about this, it seems like, every couple weeks. Relievers need roles. How are you so patient with the Phillies when you're not with other sports? Um, I'm like not you, patient with the manager as necessary because the play. I, I mean, I know the talent is there. I mean, I think they're going to. So need you some believe more in this roster? No, I think they need more hitters. There's there's too there's too many guys that have too low batting average. The problem is, is you look around the league. This is a league wide problem. Bryce Harper, who's supposed to be, you know, him and Mike Trout are supposed to be the best ball players on the planet. Bryce Harper's hitting like 210. Okay, it doesn't matter that he's got 19 home runs. This is this is an epidemic in baseball now. This whole nonsense with the launch angle and home runs and the emphasis on home runs has created monsters, which is which is literally they either hit a home run or they strike out. We are going to have multiple guys having 200 plus strikeouts this year, which was unthinkable in the past. Think about that. Think about, you know, look, my generation was Tony Gwynn, who never struck out. I mean, the thought of a guy striking out a hundred times, Dave Kingman would look like a contact hitter these days. But we don't see that. Like, we've been around to the minor league teams. Right. And and you're not seeing, other than Cousins, <laughs> you're not seeing those types of <laughs> you're li- you're lucky you said that. strikeouts because I know where you're going to go. Right. But other than him, you're really not seeing those types of strikeout numbers in the Phillies minor league system. No, nah, you are. I mean, there, there are some guys. Mitch Walding was one of those guys. Well, he's continued um, it in the Yeah, majors. right. 
Um, there, there is this emphasis that came with with the analytics of launch angles, and I, I really don't understand why launch angle should matter. When you should ask Pat Borders about that when you talk to him in Williamsport next week. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> in a minute. Uh, I do, I just don't understand. We were always taught to hit the ball on a line, hit it hard, make on solid a line. contact. Exactly. Not hit it really, really high. Uh, that it just doesn't make sense to me because it's not going to increase your home runs to the point that you're more productive because you're not getting on base, and and that's what's becoming scary is that you know this whole chicks dig the long ball thing seems to be all that major league baseball cares about and it's not entertaining and i but think that they're losing fans are, over. i was gonna say fans are not digging it their, their no. attendance is down they're mm-hmm. rated like they're 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 trying to figure out what's going on it's a noticeable drop in terms of fan interest in their sport and they don't seem to know what to do they seem to keep having the same conversations is it the shift? Is it the well, that's part of it? But that, is but it the length had, of the game? And well, they do shift. nothing, and and people like yourself continue to complain about the product that they're seeing on the field, when that really is well, what the yeah, problem and is. And I'll still keep going, but <laughs> the, the the shift has nothing to do with the strikeout, though. The strikeout is its own epidemic. The shift is a whole different thing, which is going to kill careers, like Franco. Franco, over the last week, hit it to the third baseman almost every time he was up. And all they have to do is just load that side of the field. It, it's it's becoming a real problem, and, and I heard that even now the league is worried about this shift thing. I don't know how they're going to fix it. If they want to take – I got lots of ideas, one of which is putting little hash lines and saying, you got to stay in this area. Oh, until wow, the, you really do have ideas, don't oh, you? Oh, I got – I got uh, uh, the shift drives oh, me Oh, don't do nuts. this to our listeners. Don't go through, like, your laundry list. I won't though. go. I promise. <laughs> I won't go through it now. But it, but it, but if Manfred feels like listening, I'll be glad if to If you'd like to call, in. you're available? Yes, I am. I'm available for uh, – you should, you should problem. write it up in a brief and send it over to the offices uh, of Major League Baseball. No, no, that's my day job. I can't, <laughs> I'm doing it. Okay, let's talk a little yeah. bit about what's going on down on the farm. Um, you're headed out to Good Williams. stuff. You're headed out to Williamsport next yes. week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will not be joining you, but you and Alex are going to take good care and get us some interviews, correct? We are, and there are some. If people don't know, Williamsport is the short season, so they just started last week. Yeah, explain to our listeners who aren't, familiar with with the baseball minor leagues the Williamsport Clearwater Lakewood dynamic of the low a yeah, a they're all a the highest a is clearwater the middle a so that's the a plus yes okay and then they call it high a <laughs> and then, and then lakewood is regular a and then short season a is williamsport so, so when, who plays in that league? It will be, usually be the guys that got drafted this year, the younger players, the guys 18 and younger. And, you know, people go, younger than 18? Yeah, there are guys that play 16, 17 years old. The Toki was in the system forever. Um, and he started when he was 16 from Venezuela. So a lot of the Latin American ball players who don't get drafted because they, they get signed differently than the draft, which is a whole different argument that I don't understand. <laughs> um, you just got issues. Today, yeah, man. I do have issues with that. <laughs> but But – that's who you'll see there. So Alec Bohm, who just got drafted by the Phillies, could be up there by next week. He's already impressing down in Clearwater. And when I say Clearwater, not for the Threshers, he's playing in like a extended month. On the back uh, yeah. ball field. Right. Little extended so his, spring his training. So his first pitch that he saw in professional baseball, he had a triple. 
and he went three for three the other night. So he could be up there next week. Their fifth-round pick from Notre Dame, Matt Veerling, is already up there and doing well. So there's a bunch of guys that you'll want to see, and they are led by, as you mentioned before, Pat Borders. Yes, the Pat Borders who played on the 93 Blue Jays. You already know I want that question asked. <laughs> yes, you do. I have a different memory uh-huh. of that season ending than Pat in fa- Borders In fact, what I likely. want you to do is, do you have a picture of yourself crying when that happened? Can yeah. you recreate the scene if you don't? And so I can bring up a picture and say, Pat, look what you did. Look what you did yeah. to this young man uh-huh. who's now much yeah. older and Could still has nightmares. Could you please give this photo to Joe Carter? <laughs> <laughs> you, you ruined his childhood. That's right. He was you have excited. no idea what I have to deal with because of you. <laughs> I thought I was going to game seven. <laughs> I was so excited. And then it was done. Yep. No, oh, wait, wait, wait. You had tickets for game seven? We would have had tickets for game seven. Oh, that, that I, didn't, I, I hadn't heard. That yeah. part of the trauma, <laughs> dreams crushed, man. <laughs> it was terrible. Uh, but no, I'm excited to hear what he has to say. I have been very impressed with the managers. We should not call them coaches, as we learned last week. Right. Although this is a ball, so they are coaches in a. It's double A that they become I'll ask managers. Them. Yeah, you should ask mm-hmm. that. Um, I've been impressed with the managers in this system that the players have to learn from. Uh, we, we've spoken to three of them so far. You'll get Pat Borders. Uh, it, they really have so much knowledge to, to really learn from down there. It's yeah, impressive. It really is impressive. And how they deal with them is the way that you'd want. As a parent, I would love them to be my kids' managers, coaches. Well, uh, you just don't want to coach <laughs> kids' team anymore and be hated. That's right. I want somebody else to do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it, that's a good lead-in for our interview today. So we were out in Reading a few weeks ago, and we talked to Phillies pitcher Jojo Romero. Who has lots of pitches, you'll find. Who has, who has lots of pitches <laughs> that we asked him about, but who also um, had his father as a coach. And uh, Jeff, you, you got to ask him about that during the interview as well. Yeah, so let, let's listen on. Let's play and listen in. We're here with Jojo Romero. Jojo, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Jojo, tell us a little bit about the the Double A season. Yeah, you know, it's been uh, it's been fun. Uh, you know, I've learned a lot of things. You know, over the first uh, say first month, more than you know, more than anything, uh, making a lot of adjustments and uh, you know, just having a lot of fun now. So I hear you have a lot of pitches. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> there, there, we've heard stories that you have eight pitches, you have six pitches. How many pitches will you rely on in a game? Um, honestly, in a game, it could be all seven, eight. And it might be one pitch just one time because I know it will work in a certain situation. Most of the time it does if I get it where I want it to be. And then probably won't throw it again the rest of the game. But there's always just – usually it's a one moment or one hitter that I know it would work. And I'll bring it out for that, you know, that one time. One of the things that I've, I've read about you is that over the last couple of months, you've learned maybe to throw a few less pitches and that it seems to have helped you in, in getting things under control. Yeah, see, the, the thing that I was trying to do early on the year was trying to be effective with everything at pretty much trying to do it all at once, which is impossible to do. But um, now it's, it's just keeping it simple, you know, establishing the fastball. And, I mean, I've been getting a lot more outs on the fastball, so it's kind of – I mean, you don't want to, you know, fix anything that's not broken. So, you know, we just keep attacking with the fastball. And, you know, every chance I get, you know, I'll mix it up. But uh, that's, that's pretty much just how, how it's been lately. All right. So I'm trying to picture the conversation that you have the first time that you meet your catcher. <laughs> and you tell him, hey, by the way, I got up to eight pitches. Now, last time I checked, the, the catcher's only got five fingers on one hand. 
So, so how did, let's say you want to throw your, your seventh pitch. How does he put down that sign? Well, there's a couple signs that um, they, they can mean different things. Uh -huh. So it's a way he, he holds his fingers with a, with a slider, you know, can mean something else. The way he holds his fingers with the changeup can mean something else. Um, the way he holds his fastball could mean something else. So yeah, that's, that's how we work it. Everything I've read is that you're kind of a sponge. You just keep trying to learn. You, you, talk, you learn new pitches, you know, two, three pitches last year or earlier this year, you're working on them. Um, where does that come from for you where it, it just doesn't seem like you're ever satisfied with what you have? You're always trying to better yourself a little bit. Yeah, see, I, I mean, I'm always watching, you know, games. You know, I, I watch you know, all those, um, those uh, like Darvish, um, Otani, there's kind of, you know, those guys that, that have a lot of pitches as well. And um, when I come out here, you know, playing catch, you know, I just mess around, you know, with different grips. And if something feels right, you know, I'll try it on the bullpen, just see how it feels, and then, you know, add it to the arsenal. <laughs> how, does, how does your pitching coach react to that? Um, I mean, he loves it because, you know, there's d different weapons, but he also wants me to, you know, keep in mind I have a good fastball so to use it and don't run away from it. So, What's your favorite pitch to throw? Hmm. Probably say my cutter. I picked that up last year from one of my teammates, actually, uh, Trevor Betancourt. He, uh, he was my uh, catch partner, so I asked him, you know, how he threw it one day. And that same day, you know, I went out to throw it. I had a bullpen, threw my bullpen. And, um, you know, it, it, was, it was something to play with. And then I hadn't thrown again. And then in the game, I was like, hey, you know, I'm messing around with this pitch. You know, I want to try it out. And the first one I threw was pretty firm and got a strikeout on it. So I was like, okay, you know, I kind of like it. I'm going to keep throwing it. <laughs> I was reading a little bit about uh, how you're working on finding your routine and, and getting into a set schedule. It seems like you kind of have a five-day routine going on. Can you talk about how that's become important for you and what it means so our listeners understand? Yeah, I mean, um, with, with me, I feel I have a really good game day routine. I have a you know I have a set schedule. You know, I get a get here early. You know, kind of get get my body ready. You know, I lift and then you know kind of get ready to you know pitch. But um, getting yourself established, you know, beforehand, it's just kind of, you know, little trigger points that, hey, you know, your, your, your start's coming up. It's time to get ready. It's time to get ready. You have a bullpen today. You know, you're going to focus on this. And then you get a couple days rest. I would say maybe out of those five days, you have one day where you can really just kind of relax and kind of just, in, in a sense, go through the motions. But just give yourself the opportunity to let your body relax and really recover and then but, but still, at that point, you're just constantly getting your, your mind right, you know, for the... When, when you're, when you're getting ready for a game and you go to warm-ups and you have mul multitude of pitches, do you try them all out and say, okay, this is working today? Or will you press through it and have a game plan that you work out with the coach to say, hey, look, today, here's the three pitches I want you to throw, regardless of whether or not you have it at the beginning of the game? Yeah, see, that's, that's pretty much the game plan, what it, what it is. It's... Um, a fastball changeup, you know, ring attack with that, and then I'll whatever. There, it'll usually be one a breaking pitch that will feel good in my bullpen, so that'll be our, you know, put away pitch in, mm -hmm. in a sense. And uh, everything else from there is just based off feel, what we think. Uh, but as far as throwing in the bullpen and uh, like warm up pitches, I just throw fastballs, and all the, everything else is pretty much on feel and kind of you know what I'm, you know, what we see in a certain situation. Over the last uh, couple starts, it seems like something's clicked. What is it about you're now at a new level, and what's a, what is it about the level that you think that finally clicked? Just keeping it simple. Uh, I think I think you know going back to what I was saying about trying to you know attack and establish every single pitch you know at once. 
I think that's what I was trying to do early on, and now it's just, I mean, the hits are inevitable, so let him hit it. You know, the, what our pitching coach tells us is that the odds are, you know, nine against one. You got, you got a bunch of fielders behind you, a good defensive team behind you, and, I mean, he's trying to, you know, put in the gap or trying to get it past those guys, so just let him hit it. And I think that's something I've been doing, and I've seen myself get, um, get a little bit deeper in the games, um, walking fewer people, throwing a lot more strikes and you know it's been effective what's it been like to learn patience as you go through the system you had so much success coming into the league uh, you know obviously made a name for yourself and now here you are trying to get there but at the same time you got to learn every day and become better was it like to balance that and sort of humble yourself every day coming to the park yeah I mean I mean I love it um, and you know once again you know you're constantly learning um, I've learned, you know, different things about my fastball that probably didn't didn't know last year, and you know, because I had the I w- early on struggles this year, and you know, that was getting hit. You know, I kind of you know messed around with it, able to do certain things with it, and you know, now that I'm able to you know find my rhythm, gain a lot more comfortable, I'm using that to my advantage to where you know it's it's helping me a lot. I saw you say that in an interview the other day that you feel like you found your rhythm. What's it like when? you feel like you found it and you're in that zone and, and you know, you're throwing those pitches and, and all of them are working. What's that feeling like? And then on the flip side, what's it like to try and push through on a day where you don't have the feel of your pitches that you want? Yeah, I mean, you know, when, for me, that rhythm, it's just, it's like a, uh, you know, how do you explain it? Um, it it's, just, it's just a relaxed feeling, you know, when you're on that mound, you're just kind of, you, you don't feel like, you know, there's batter in there. It's just like a bullpen. You're just kind of, in a sense, it feels like you're just going through the motions. That's how easy and loose it feels. And, you know, on the flip side, you know, it's just a constant, I know I'm better than this. You know, wh- you know it's kind of like, it's kind of like you, you can feel yourself almost there, but there's just one thing that, you know, that's missing. And that's kind of what it was early on. And it was just the, the patience I need to have with my, with my fastball. So we noticed that you have a Twitter account. That you're pretty active with it. How did you come up with JoJo the Jet? Uh, it was something from when I was younger. Um, I played soccer, you know, growing up, and I was always, you know, really fast, you know, as a on the soccer field, and that translated to baseball. And I was always really fast, you know, on the diamond too, and that just kind of you know, stuck with me. Having played more than one sport growing up, can you talk about? You know, we we all see people specialize in one sport or another. Did it help you to play multiple sports as an athlete coming up? I, I feel it did. I mean, I played uh, I played basketball, soccer, and baseball growing up. High school basketball and soccer same season, so I had to pick one. I chose soccer, a little bit better at it. Um, but I feel it helped me a lot as far as from from soccer standpoint. The conditioning is you know off the charts, so it always prepared me very well for baseball. And I feel that's something that helped me, you know be you know athletic on the mound you know the way I am and as far as a pitching standpoint the the stamina to be a starter you know I feel that that helped a lot you've moved through the system with uh, some names that are familiar to Phillies fans now like Sir Anthony Dominguez who's up in the majors what's it like to see somebody who you've come up with make it and have the success that he's had to start yeah I mean it's awesome uh, you know I got to play with him a little bit last year and uh, and to start the year this year and you know this year, it was just a different, you know, it seemed like a different mentality for him. Like, he could feel himself there, like, get, you know, close. And it just seemed like he flipped a switch and, you know, he, he took off from there. You know, just his, his demeanor when he would do, 
his bullpens, you know, playing catch, his arm carry, like it, it was just a different demeanor. And I mean, it showed when he went on the mound, he was lights out. And I mean, that's how he, that's what he's doing now on the show. What number did you like to have when you were a kid? Um, I was always younger. I was always 31 because that was my dad's, uh, you know, baseball number. And then it translated <laughs> to number six all throughout high school, college, and then I had it last year. So your dad was a baseball player too? Yeah, played a little bit, yeah. And so, so what was it like to have a, a father who played baseball as, as a dad? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's challenging because he knows and he's been through a lot, so he, he knows kind of what you're feeling. But it's, um, <coughs> it's awesome because he, on, the, on the other hand, you have someone that knows. And you know, he, can, he can feel for – he knows exactly what you're feeling. And um, he was always my coach, you know, growing up. So that was always fun. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, was it always fun having? Because we have a we have a kid here who would probably disagree Je- with you. Jeff <laughs> Jeff coached his son, and I don't know if his son would say that it was always fun playing for his dad. Um, I would say there was a lot of times where I went home with my mom instead of my dad after a game. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, it, it, it's always fun because um, I, w- I was always I always played um, with the older group with the older group of guys, and he coached so. He would sometimes, you know, let me coach a couple games. I could, he would ask me for advice on, hey, you know, where should we put him? Or I would always put my or have my input. So it, it was pretty fun. But so after your 15, 20 year career in the majors, you're gonna coach? Oh, definitely. I mean, I love doing it now. Whenever I go back, uh, my brother's in high school right now, so I help out the high school team. Uh, I'll put my or have my say, you know, with catching, you know, infielders. But you know, I, I love it. That's you know, that's one thing I really want to do. All right, so when you make it to the majors and they you walk in to pitch your first game, what's going to be the music that you have? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, might be Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. All right. Yeah. Who's the locker room DJ right now? Uh, I would say the Latins have that. Anybody in particular? <laughs> um, probably Elneri Garcia. Okay. He has a, yeah, he's a DJ right now. Well, thank you so much for your time. We really yeah. appreciate you joining us. Thank you for having me. Wish you the best of luck, continued success Thanks. in the organization. Thank you. Jeff, you always ask the toughest questions about what walk-up music will they have. It, I, it's funny. You would think that they think of it, and you stump them every time. Uh, you know, you learn, you learn something about them. You learn whether they like old rock or they like different kinds of music. It, it, I, I think it's an interesting question for people to, to answer. I enjoyed the laugh that we got around his father as his coach and you with your son there, uh, both commiserating about what it was like. I, I, look, you could you could tell from the interview and you could tell from us talking to him before and afterwards how much he admires his dad and how much his father has meant to his career. And he lit up talking about it. Yeah, too. A, a, but you can all. He was also honest, which is look. I coached my son for years. My son would tell would probably tell you that a lot of it was enjoyable, but a lot of it is you have to be harder on your own kid. I I tried to always be balanced, but you you can't help it because he's your kid, and so you try to be harder on him. A lot of people sit there and think coaches favor their own kids. I don't think that's true at all. I know in my household. My wife would not agree at all. <laughs> and and I, I think that most families can relate to, you know, the whoever the 
mom or dad or whoever, whichever one's the coach goes much earlier, takes the kid there. And then the other parent comes in a separate car and then they usually leave at the same time. And most times the kids leave him with the parent who's not coaching. <laughs> who's not coaching the team. I Before we went, uh, I had read about his developing his eighth pitch. And I said to you, I, here he has eight pitches now. And we were both kind of like, what? How do you do that? So asking him about the first meeting with the catcher when, when you're like, um, okay, I got eight pitches. Yeah, it, and it was interesting to hear him talk about how he, he works backwards off of his pitches and um, you know how he'll use a pitch for a certain situation. Uh, it just really seemed like he kind of everything was starting to click for him at this point, and he felt really confident in in his stuff. He's he's a really intelligent guy. He's another one that, and I think this partly has to do with his upbringing, and I think part of it has to do with the coaches that he's been lucky enough to have with the Phillies organization. He's he's figured it out. It may, maybe he hasn't figured out every single pitch. He hasn't figured out everything that he's going to do. He's certainly going to struggle every time he gets promoted, but I. If somebody said to me today, uh, would you put money down that this guy's going to make it to the major leagues? There's no question in my mind that he will, and there's no question in my mind that he'll, at some point after hopefully a success, successful long pitching career, well, with, be a coach. With sports betting in Delaware and New Jersey, you can go put money yes, on that. and now. Rhode Island. We've got point. three minutes left, so let's run mm-hmm. through what's going on on the farm with the teams. Lakewood is at their break now. They are at their, well, they just finished their all-star break, Mm -hmm. Um, but last week they made a mad dash to the finish because the way that single A works is you have a first half and a second half because so many people move up and down right after the break that they figure the best way to do it is you'll have a first half winner and a second half winner, and then they play in the playoffs. That'll be the first round. So they were able on the last day to pull out a victory and the team that they needed to lose lost so it worked out well but it all came down to their pitching you know we've talked about the ace clause most of the first half including will stewart and here's what's amazing in 80 games or actually 70 games or so they had 15 shutouts six more than any any other team in the league they ranked first in the league in era with a 2.55 team era they had a whip of 1.13 they had the most strikeouts in the league 653 and the least hits allowed, 476. They struck out more, over 150 more than they gave up hits. Th- that's good for the future. And Will Stewart will be starting the All Star game. Yes. So it's mm-hmm. a it's it's a good thing. It things are are looking pretty good at, at single A ball in terms of the arms and some of the talent there. Um, I think the Phillies have arms all, all throughout the system. I mean, n- now you also talk about AAA. You have guys that are on the threshold. We've talked about Cole Irvin before and De Los Santos, and you have Ben Lively there. And they're in first place four games up. They have a whole season to play. And there you go again. You have arms there. You have JoJo. You have Sixto Sanchez. You have Medina. They are they really are loaded for the future have for arms. Have we heard any news about Sixto? He was shut down a little bit with some soreness. What what I had heard was that it wasn't necessarily soreness that he was hit in the elbow. I think. Oh, okay. So I'm not I'm not sure, but but I I have not heard that there's any long term problem. You always worry when you got a guy who throws 100 miles an hour, especially he's he's not a big guy. So, but his motion is so fluid. I'm hoping that there is no issue there and that 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 repetitive motion doesn't become a problem. Last minute of the show, give me stock up, stock down. I'll give you stock up. Um, Mr. Positive today. <laughs> Welcome. Get off my lawn, huh? but I'm saying with a smile today. 
So Austin Listy uh, was right behind Derek Hall on his way from Clearwater to Double A Reading. And when he was at Clearwater, he was batting a, a hefty 344, nine home runs, 45 RBIs. And he came up last week to Reading, and he did not skip a beat. 400 home runs, seven RBIs, 1.044 OPS. That's going to be the last word. Thank you for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.